0: pushing through i am tate Fraser, and as always i am joined by the kid bj armstrong and today we have a very special guest he is a fox sports and fs1 analyst and the co-host of the odd couple he of course is mr chris broussard chris thanks for joining pushing through we're very excited bj's here for hot takes he said we need broussard to come <laughs> on for the hot takes.
1: man look i love bj armstrong um <laughs> I was a fan of his back when he played in Iowa, and oh, I'm not even playing. It,
2: stop it! And I actually, B.J.,
1: I don't know if you knew. I lived in Iowa for two years. I
2: did not. Where? Yeah, where? When
1: where? I was in high I lived in Des Moines. Did so you? I went Iowa. never went up to Iowa City, but um. So I you was probably gone a Cyclone by fan. You probably, a
2: cyclone fan. <laughs> you probably was a Cyclone not, fan. He probably was a Cyclone fan. Well, <laughs> I you
1: know, I think I was more of an Iowa fan. I think okay, I was more okay. of an Iowa fan than, than uh, Iowa State. But, um, so then I was out of there by the time you were at Iowa, but I, I I liked you, loved you as a player back then. I obviously followed your NBA career, and then we've become friends over the years. So, man, it's it's an honor to be on, and Tate, you know, uh, you do a great job, too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this, man. No, well, yeah, well, let, let's go
2: back, man. I just got to get it. I got to get hot takes from you. I got to get hot stuff. I, I'm always, uh I, you're always in my home, so I feel like this is an extra treat. We know each other, but. Chris, when we first met, we both worked at ESPN. Well, probably before then, but our first time we worked together, right, there at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, we got caught in snowstorms, we we're there on the campus and <laughs> doing all of the things and tell us about right. how you got started in the business.
1: Well, and it's interesting you go because you people don't know what it's like, BJ. When we we you and I would do maybe NBA fast break at midnight, right? Right. So we're there at eight or seven eight o'clock at night just watching games all night in the green room just me and you and maybe another person or two and uh and then we would do the show you know but that though that was a lot i won't say everything you said back then in case you want to keep that off the record but but, uh you had some hot takes yourself (laughs) um for me you know i started to be honest like a lot of us Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Mike Wilbon, Tony Kornheiser, Adam Schefter, Rachel Nichols, David Aldridge. I mean, we were just writers. You know, right. we were... we. I, 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 like many of them, like Stephen A., I know, started out covering high school sports, and I didn't really... When I came out of school in 1990, I graduated from college, it was either you kind of chose print, journalism, or broadcast. So... It, it was easier, at least for me, to get to a bigger newspaper from the start, which I went to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, rather than to start, you know, a job as a broadcaster at a pretty good network. So I went the newspaper route and just figured that's what I would do, you know, cover. I moved up eventually from high schools to cover the NBA to Cleveland Cavaliers in the mid '90s, um, and then you know they started putting uh, reporters on television for their information. And so those that had good information and those that had some charisma in front of the camera or were comfortable just kind of eventually became more and more television. And so that's what happened with me. Um, I left the New York, I started doing TV when I was at the New York times Mm -hmm. and then most started local. Then it became Mm -hmm. national. I'd be on ESPN here and there. Then when I went to work at ESPN in 2004 ESPN, the magazine, I was mainly a magazine writer, but they, you know, they put me on television and over time it just got more and more television to the point where I, by the time I left in 2016, I was essentially all TV there. And now at Fox, I'm all television and radio. And um, I, I, there were some great times writing. I I had some wonderful experiences, man, but Mm. I like what I'm doing now with the just commentating and giving my opinion and analysis. And so it's, it's been a great move to Fox.
0: And and Chris, I have to ask, you know, but, you know, just being a journalist and that's sort of like you said, it used to be there were two paths. Like I went the broadcast journalism path. So it was, you know, you go into TV, you write scripts. There's not much depth, right? Everything is sort of a a broad strokes about what is going on. But if you're a writer, a beat reporter, you go into the weeds, you go into the details. So when you make that transition from the beat reporter to the TV, you know, personality that is Chris Broussard, how was it for you finding your voice? You know, from going from that objective beat reporter to now into, like we said, the hot takes world. You know how how has that evolution been?
1: That's a good question because it is different. You know, mm. as a reporter, you just are used to being objective. You know, yeah. I mean, you you have to separate your friendships or players that you might like personally and just right. report what's actually going on. Um, and and in the in the world I'm in now you you are more free to give your opinion. I mean, that's what yeah. they want. And you're actually more free to root for a team. I mean, we know that Stephen A. Smith's against the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Skip Bayless loves the Dallas Cowboys. Skip Bayless is going to go against LeBron. Shannon Sharp's going to be for LeBron. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you that becomes a part of it. And I some of it, I mean, I, I've kept some of the journalist mentality because if you guys see me, I think you'll know, like, I try to stay objective. I give opinions, but I don't try to, like, I'm not always going to praise LeBron, even mm. when he doesn't deserve it. Or I'm not going to always rip him when he doesn't deserve it. I'm going to call it like I see it. And, you know, I, I have a good relationship with LeBron. I wrote a ton of – uh um, uh, cover stories on him when I wrote for ESPN the magazine. Right. And so we developed a good relationship. I haven't seen him in a while. But I still I think Michael Jordan is the better player. So I say Jordan's the GOAT. So I'm not, I that I think my shtick, you know, you know what some guys take's gonna be even before you see him. My shtick is kind of I'm gonna try to tell it like it is. I would love to see LeBron win his fourth title. But I think the Clippers are the best team this year. So I, I'm saying the Clippers are going to win it. So I, I try to stay objective in that regard. But, yeah, you're you, you giving a lot more your opinion. I, to compare it to newspapers, I think what it is, is it's like moving from being a beat writer to a columnist.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, the columnists just write your right. opinion. Uh, beat writers, you're just reporting the news. And so that's kind of – I've kind of gone from a beat writer to a columnist on television.
2: Yep. You know, you know, Chris. You know, you said you moved into this world. I'm still trying to figure out in 2020 what is this world that we live in, right? <laughs> what is this world? I sit there like many. You know, I sit there and I hear these hot takes, right? Is that is that, the, is that the correct term? You know, when you get over 50, you know, you I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to stay, you know, in the right. I try to see these hot. But Chris, how do? I see you all the time. How do some of your? Well, I guess I'm in the media now too, right? So you're here, here yeah. on you're here on my you're here on my on, on our podcast. Yeah, I came over to the dark side. <laughs> so how do you keep this? You know this, I guess even keel when you hear some of the things that are being said out here in sports. I mean, some of the things we people are saying now are just like, you know, this it's it's like. You you have a journal, you know, you, journalism is your background. Some of these opinions now are so out there. Mm-hmm. How right. do you sift through all of this and navigate in this world?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think some people, there are some, and, and maybe even with younger guys that are trying to get into this business, they they just want to make hot takes. They just want to say outlandish things to get attention. Yep. And while it's always important to speak your mind, you know, and and one thing, BJ, I always tell athletes that are moving into the media, like, you have to say something, you know, because you know, (laughs) and I think it can be tough for an athlete because you got friends who are still in the league, depending on your age, you may have friends who are coaching, you know, Mm -hmm. you may have guys you played with, you may want to get back in the league as a coach or in the front office or something like that. So sometimes you may mince words, you know, and I tell athletes, you got to say something. You can't be afraid to criticize the Celtics because you played for the Celtics, you know? (laughs) And so um, you have to say something, but at the same, some guys may go too far. If you just say stuff that's outlandish to get attention, then people are going to kind of take away your credibility. So that's why, like I said, I just try to stay, I really try to stay true to myself. I'm not the type of person to rip a guy just to rip him, you know, just to get, you know, some headlines or something. That's just not who I am. Um, And I'm not going to just praise a guy who I don't think really deserves it. So I try to just call it like I see it. Um, sometimes players, you know, if you're critical of them, they're not going to like it. Yeah. Um, but I think if they generally see that it's not personal and that, you know, you're you're really just calling it like you're seeing it, being fair. So when LeBron is great, you're praising him. When he struggles, you're critical of him. If he can see, well, dude is fair. You know, I know right. he's not just going to take a shot at me just because. Uh, then I think they respect that.
0: And I have to ask Chris because one of the one of our favorite pastimes, BJ and I, will get on here and he'll have you know ESPN on or whatever Fox Sports, whatever it may be, and we see the debate shows and it's after a game and it's all it's all about the narratives, right? It's all about you know what is the fallout from here? And BJ asked me, he's like, oh, "Are they talking about basketball? Like what? Like when? When are they going to bring up a basketball play that actually happened last night?" So in the world of narratives, you know, when did you see that transition happen or or? Was is it you know something that's always been there because it does seem like everything is a narrative based discussion now.
1: No, I agree, and I think BJ can attest to this. And this is one of the benefits that Michael Jordan had that a LeBron James or any of the superstars that they don't have. Yeah. When Jordan played and Magic and Bird and all these guys, there were no daily debate shows, right? <laughs> and, and on television. And there weren't, BJ, correct me if I'm wrong, there really weren't even national 24 hour day radio shows for the most part.
2: No, there were some local, especially have, in the Chicago yeah, market, there, local, there were some local yep. talk shows that they were back then. Right, home.
1: but not, not national. And so the point is, if Michael Jordan missed a game-winning, potentially game-winning shot on a Tuesday in Utah in January, it wasn't a big deal. We didn't even remember it, you know? <laughs> Now, if LeBron misses a game-winning shot on a Tuesday in January, you know, in Utah, it is talked about all day on first take, all day on Skip and Shannon Undisputed. It's on the radio shows. And so everything is magnified, the good and the bad. And when I think about Michael Jordan, we tend to only remember the great moments. You know, because back then, that's kind of what was highlighted. You didn't have the national coverage that you have today. Um, and so those were what we saw. But today, we remember the good and the bad. And um, <clears throat> so that is a uh, – that's a huge difference mm. um, that these players, not, not just LeBron, but all of the greats, they, they are more scrutinized than any players in history. Mm. So mm. It, it's crazy. You, you
2: know, Chris, I I I, I want to take a shot at a narrative, right? the 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 narrative <laughs> right now is Giannis. What is Giannis going to do? And if let's pretend, you know, you know, with Giannis, how do how does a young man today prepare for the noise that's mm. out there with this narrative? Because <clears throat> In working with these young people, I mean, their exposure that they have, right? It's not like in my era, it was just like, okay, you just cut your television off and that was it, right? (laughs) Now, I can't cut off social media. You got cell phones everywhere. How How do we help these young people with this narrative? Because now, whether he wants to talk about it or not, he's going to have to address this narrative. What is Giannis going to do? Yep.
1: Well, first, let me address the narrative. You know, from last week, the whole big story was is he Jordan or Pippin? And obviously, he's playing. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Whoa. Yeah.
2: For- oh, oh. yeah. oh. <laughs> How much time do you have, Chris? Because I, you know, <laughs> I don't really want to go there, but I heard that. And,
1: you know, I was like, what is that all about? But well, you, you, you have a better perspective than most, certainly. But I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to actually say, BJ, he's neither. I think. Right now, he's more like LeBron. And here's what I say. Pippen was a definitive two, right? I mean, he never was the best player on the team when Mike was there, when you won championships. And so he was a definitive two. Whereas LeBron, even when he went to Miami, he was always the best player on the team. And I think Giannis, for the most part, unless he joins Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard or something, he's always going to be the best player on his team. But, like LeBron, he needs a second guy who can go get it. He Like, LeBron has never won it without that second guy who could go get it, Dwayne Wade or Kyrie Irving. And now he's got AD. We'll see if they win it this year. But that's what Giannis needs. I don't think Chris Middleton, as good as he is, is the second-best player on a championship team. And so, just like LeBron early in Cleveland, he had Antoine Jameson later in his career. He had – Mo Williams, he had uh, Larry Hughes. He never had that second guy that was good enough to help him win a championship, as good as the teams were in the regular season. And I think Giannis is in the same boat. So I don't think he's a Pippen in that. I don't think he's a two, but he's obviously not a Jordan. But I think he can be like a LeBron, where if he gets that Damian Lillard or, or somebody like that, who when Giannis can't get his shot, this guy can go get it. I think he can win championships. So that's where I'm at on that narrative. As far as how he prepares, this is what I say to players today, BJ. You have to know who you are. And you have to know your personality. And even in our business, too, because obviously we get criticized. People look at what you said and things like that. But you have to know, are you the type of personality that can read the criticism constantly? You know, they can look at the criticism on social media or watch it on the television shows and it not affect you. As you know, Michael Jordan was the type to be motivated by criticism, (laughs) right? Uh, I think Kevin Durant, even though he's a different personality than Jordan, he is, people criticize him for being on social media so much and paying attention to what's said about him so much. But yet he's able to take all that in and still go out and play at his highest level. So I'm like, if you can do that, then fine. If you like going on social media and engaging with people, then fine, as long as you can play at your premium level. Paul George, right? He said he was in the bubble, and he said he was depressed. And a lot of it was the social media. He was looking at what people were saying, your playoff peewee, your playoff PU, (laughs) not playoff p. you know? And it was getting in his head. And then he cut it off, stopped going on social media, deactivated some accounts, and now he's playing back to himself. And so I think you just have to recognize, when I was in New York and you, you got the back pages, which are famous, you know, for criticizing players and things like that, a lot of the Knicks players just wouldn't look at it. Now, you, you, like you said, BJ, you hear stuff, people will tell you right. stuff, but you don't read the New York Post, the New York Daily News. You just stay away from it so your head can be clear and you can go out there and play. And so I think it's critical to know your personality. And if you're the type of guy that you'll get the voices in your head, hey, man, they were saying this about me, they saying that, the pressure, <laughs> then you have to cut it off. I think LeBron recognized that. After Dallas, when he melted down in that finals, that's when he started going zero dark 30. And in the playoffs, he would cut all the stuff off. So he didn't have all that in his head. He could just go out and play. I think now, of course, he's at the level where he can hear it now, you know, and he can deal with it because he's got so much experience. But I think back then he recognized, for me, it's not good. So I think you have to know what type of person you are.
0: And Chris, I have to ask, I mean, this is all, you know, based around narrative and all this sort of stuff, but with these guys, like it started with LeBron in 2010 with the decision, he leaves Cleveland, he goes to Miami, and then we see this whole decade of the player movement, and I know we talk about this a lot, but is there something to be said? Giannis comes out and makes this, you know, bold declaration, I want to be with Milwaukee, I want to stay in Milwaukee. Is there something like maybe the the tide flips back the other way where you can almost become more of a quote-unquote star by being... The, the guy that stays there, like what Steph Curry is doing at Golden State, do, do we have a new era where that may happen, where we see Dame Lillard's of the world that stay in Portland forever?
1: There's there's two things. One, if he wins, if he stays in <laughs> Milwaukee and wins, yes. The narrative <laughs> okay. could change, the, the trend could change. <laughs> okay. okay? He'll be praised to high heavens if he stays there and wins. Mm-hmm. But if he – some of it also is his age and his youth. He's still only 25. Yep. Okay, And when you're at that age and you're so great, you think man, I can win with anybody. I remember interviewing LeBron James 101, I think it was like maybe his fourth season in the league before he had, you know, won a championship and he was telling me, and I'm not saying he's a ring chaser, but he literally said I'm not going to be a ring chaser. I'm not going to chase rings. He had the attitude of man, whoever we have, I'm winning some championships. I don't care if it's If it's Chris Broussard on my team, I'm winning champions. (laughs) And and here was the thing, guys. In 2006, because the interview was was before the summer of 2006, and that's when Ray Allen, Michael Red, and Larry Hughes were free agents. LeBron did not recruit any of them, okay? All he did was he made a generic video that the Cavs could use for all their recruits, and you could just show it to them. Michael Red's from Ohio. He didn't call Michael Red, yo, man, we could win titles together. None of that. And I've talked to Michael Red. Had he sold Michael Red like that, he very well may have gone to the Cavaliers. And Nike was actually ready to increase Red's contract with Nike to make up for the money he might lose, you know, by going from Milwaukee to Cleveland. But LeBron didn't recruit him. Not because he didn't think Michael Red was a great player, But because he was like, man, it don't really matter. Whoever we get, I'm winning. But then as time went on, right, and you start losing those tough series and the pressure mounts, Giannis – and Giannis is just getting to this point because early in your career there's a honeymoon period where people don't – even if you're putting up huge numbers, they don't hold it against you that you don't win, you know. And then you get to that level, you maybe win some MVPs and they start, then it's been, okay, but can you win a championship? You know, and LeBron got to that level where it was just starting to be criticized. Oh, he can't beat Boston in the playoffs. He lost to Orlando in the playoffs. Can he win? Giannis is just getting, starting to get to that level. Can he win? So it goes from all the, the praise, praises up individually but then you hit a level where it can start going down and there's more criticism, even though people acknowledge you're still a great player. So that's where Giannis is getting to. So right now he's saying, I, I respect that he's saying, I, I'm not going to demand a trade. I don't think he should. I think he should go back, play out this season, next season, see if they can win another championship. But if they don't, if the same thing happens, I would not be surprised if he's singing a different tune and he's like, man, I got to go get some help, and if they can't get it in Milwaukee, I have to go where where it is, just like LeBron did to Miami, Durant did to Gold State, and so, and I think with those two precedents, I don't think Giannis will get killed if he he leaves. Now, I would love, you know, we hear the rumors, the talk that they're going to go after Chris Paul. I think that'd be a great move. I think that's one of the few places it would be wise to trade for Chris because of his contract and his age. But Chris Paul can help them. And if they get over the hump, then Giannis has that monkey off his back and maybe stays in Milwaukee long term.
0: Mm. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Now is the time to celebrate. That's right. Football is here. To kick off football's 101st season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all users a no-brainer to start the season. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, Head to the app store now because you don't want to miss this. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for week one, DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City were to lose in historic fashion, you would still cash your bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City, plus 101 points for all users. So even if Kansas City loses by 100 points, you still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. That's a no-brainer. Plus, DraftKings is giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all users who enter their free football. Survivor pool. All you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter their Survivor pool, and you'll instantly get a share of up to one hundred million dollars in giveaways. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code Last Dance to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code Last Dance to get in all of the action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be twenty-one or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one-eight hundred Gambler or in Indiana, call one-eight 9 With It. And we're also brought to you by our favorite headphones at Raycon. I've been listening to a lot of new music lately. A lot of a lot of things have been coming out in the world of music. Uh, new Scissor's song, uh, Mike Midas. You know, we, we we we're a big fan of that one. Uh, but you know, that's what I'm listening to in my Raycons. And you know, the best way to listen is using a pair of premium wireless earbuds, especially if you can get them at less than half the price of the other guys. That's why I recommend wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon's newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds are their best ones yet. They have six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, a more compact design, a noise-isolating fit, and the Raycon earbuds are stylish and discreet. No dangling wires or stems. It's great. When you walk around, you look great. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like, you know, Snoop Dogg, uh, Brandy, J.R. Smith, Mike Tyson, and they're all obsessed with the product. Give them a try. Raycon has a 45-day free return policy so you can make sure they're the wireless earbuds for you. For a limited time, get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash pushin. That's buyraycon.com slash pushin. For a special 15% discount on Raycon wireless earbuds, make sure to check it out now while the deals are running. Buyraycon.com slash pushin. Back to Chris Boussard.
2: You know, and Chris, there's so much headline on who is the greatest player. And I have you here. I have to ask, <laughs> who is the greatest player in today's game? Oh, okay. in today's I game, go, go, go. go. Well, we, 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 you and I can go back. You, you know, we could go back all, you know, but who's the greatest player in today's game?
1: I want And
2: I why, of, of course. And why I want to know why.
1: <laughs> I kind of feel like it's up for grabs over these next few weeks, to be honest. Kawhi, LeBron, Kevin Durant obviously isn't playing right now, but. Who's playing the best right now? I would still say LeBron James. I mean, we saw what he did last night. Now he's playing defense again. Um, He can control the tempo like no other player in the league, you know, and he does more. But I think, see, I think that LeBron is a lot like a Wilt Chamberlain. Mm. and That Wilt was clearly the best player in the league when he played. But his teams, for the most part, were all based around him. And he did everything. He scored. He rebounded. He passed. Like league assist one year. around yeah. Wilt. Yeah. And in those years that everything revolved around him, he never won a championship. He won it in uh, his seventh year, I believe, in Philadelphia, where he only averaged 24 points a game, which for him was his lowest of his career, But it was more team-oriented, right? It wasn't everything going through will. He averaged 24 points, I think 24 rebounds, and like seven or eight assists. Yeah, 24 and 24. I mean, 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 light work. That's light work, right? (laughs) And
2: he played every minute of every game. But other than that, he was it was light. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't built around him though. But but
1: you know, he could have scored. We know he could average 40. So he was letting everybody getting every guy involved. His second time he won it, his second and last time, was with the Lakers, and he averaged 14 points a game. Now, it wasn't because he still wasn't great. He averaged 19 boards. So he could have averaged probably 30 at that point. But he played within the system, and he won. I say that's comparable to LeBron, because LeBron, I think, clearly has been the best player in the league for the last decade or so. Yes. And yet... It's been hard for LeBron to win championships. Let's just keep it real. Mm -hmm. The first championship, yeah, they won 4-1 over OKC, a young OKC. The second one, man, if it's not for that Ray Allen shot, maybe they don't win that. And so that was just difficult to win. They go seven with the Spurs. And then against Golden State, they're down 3-1. A lot of people, including myself, feel like if Draymond's not suspended, they don't win that. Mm-hmm. And so it's been hard, as great as LeBron is, for him to win championships. And I think a lot of that's because he's so great, like Wilt, that everything, he's done everything. He's the system. There's the there's the Princeton, there's the driving kick, <laughs> there's the, you know, the the spread, there's the motion, there's the triangle, <laughs> and there's the LeBron. He's his own system, but no matter how great one player is, it's hard. When Wilt was the system, he didn't win it. When Michael BJ was the system, he didn't win it. He fit, well, don't he say that
2: because you know you know Coach Jackson is a is a listener. You say that to Coach Jackson, Chris. I don't want Coach Jackson, so I'm gonna apologize, Coach Jackson. Chris didn't really mean that.
1: <laughs> into the triangle. Into the and- triangle.
2: You can't say that. that, that, you, that that's, that's blasphemy. Can I even say that word? I mean, it's only a couple of people that can use that word. Can I say that word? I mean, I, you can't say that. You can't say so, that. Go, Jackson, but go crazy if you said that. But, no,
1: here – so, I think it is tough. Like, I like a player – like, Jordan could fit into a system, Right? And you said it once before, BJ. I think on our show, Michael mastered doing what he did in three dribbles or less. Right. Right. So he didn't dominate the ball. He shot a lot, obviously, but he didn't dominate the ball. And everybody's just watching Mike. It was like he—if he, I can't get it in my two or three dribbles, I'm moving it. And mm-hmm. so everybody was involved. The system. Whereas, look, I like Kawhi. I think is more like Mike in that regard. Now he—he he will hold it a little bit. Most players do today, but he doesn't dominate it over dribble. Like a lot of the great players today, he kind of can fit into their system. That's why even if he's, when he's sat out for load management, they're typically able to drop him right back in. And it works because he can fit into that system. So I think that is and enables him to maybe win more than LeBron will win or has one because he can fit in the system, but individually, I would say still LeBron is the best player in
0: the world. And I have to ask, Chris, just to piggyback on that question, right? So you said it was still outstanding, right? We can still figure out who is the quote-unquote best player in basketball. I've also seen the conversation, if Kawhi were to go to the Clippers this year, take them to the finals and do like you said with your prediction and win the championship and wins finals MVP, and he's been able to do that in 2014 with the Spurs and able to do it in 2019 with the Raptors and then do it in 2020 with the Clippers – I've seen people say that Kawhi is in the "quote unquote" goat conversation. Is that is that true for you? No. no. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. With
1: all due respect to Kawhi. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think does that that probably locks him into the top twenty, right? You probably have to give him that. I mean, that Spurs title it wasn't his team. Mm-hmm. You know, he he won the Finals MVP, but you know that was still Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, and Kawhi only averaged twelve points that season. He was better in the final 17, but, but yeah, these last two. And then look, when you debate the greatest of all time, you nitpick, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, all of them are fantastic, but so if I'm debating LeBron and Jordan and I say, well, LeBron's lack of a go-to shot is a problem or his lack of foul shooting, you know, prowess is a problem. It's not like I'm saying LeBron's not great, but you nitpick when you're separating the, the greats. And so with Kawhi and nitpicking, it was great what he did last year in Toronto.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But does he win that title if Kevin Durant is healthy? I don't think so. And I, I don't even think he wins it if Klay Thompson stays healthy. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I think Golden State was the better team. So I would that's a nitpick. This would be remarkable for what him to come to Golden State or uh, the Clippers in his first year and win the championship. That would be incredible. So I think you probably throw him in the top 20. Um, but he's still got a ways to go to – I don't know if he can get in the GOAT conversation unless he just runs off a string. I mean, Mike won three and then stepped away and then come back and won three more. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I think it's, he's not there yet for me but and and the low management works against him too yep let's keep it real the low management and i think with him is probably legit because he may have some degenerative situation in his knee but um you know he's young he's what 29 yeah we still got a ways to go but yeah i'm not there no way on the go okay i'm not even top 10 i'm not top 10 if he wins it this year Mm. Are, are either you guys
0: no, but, no, no. no. Well, no. we don't have enough time. We we can we can, <laughs> we, can get in these com-
1: we
2: can get in these comments. Chris, I can't. I gotta ask you this. I gotta ask you this. Greatest of all time. Just I just want a little. I just this is just a little sliver, right? You you and I really we really need about five hours to have a, a right, real right. discussion, but a little sliver. How come Tim Duncan is not in the conversation of all time when he beat <coughs> those Laker teams? With the great Shaquille O'Neal, right. the late great Kobe Bryant, he beat LeBron James, swept him. Two, you know, he beat him what two times? He lost to him once, right? Yep, right. yep, right. He should have been him three times. Yeah, lost once. no, he won. Won. he won. He beat oh, no. him when he was at Cleveland. He, like, he, like, oh, he beat him he in, in five, Cleveland. Five. He beat him in oh, Miami, seven. and then he lost to him once in Miami, in Miami yeah. right?
0: Yep, yep.
2: Okay, he's beat all of the great players of his generation. He's beat all the great players. You know, he beat the Dirk Nowinskis. He beat them all. He beat all of those players. How come he isn't in that narrative of the greatest player?
1: Nah, that's a, that's a great No,
2: seriously, just done. based on what he's done. I mean, when that's, I look he at he him. He didn't have a Kobe. When yeah, he because technically that. speaking, technically speaking, right. I'm just looking at the game, technically speaking. if You know, if I'm watching the game, I'm preparing for the game, how to beat this guy. He is the most challenging player, technically speaking, to game plan against because of what he does on both ends of the court. Right. Along with another player, Hakeem Olajuwon, I felt the same. I feel the same way about right. Like I would love to talk to Kenny Smith or someone who played on that team about what would have happened if we would have played that team in the in the nineties. <laughs> right, because Otis Thorpe and Kenny and Sam Cassell, and nice. Vernon Maxwell.
1: And Vernon played Jordan pretty tough.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and Akeem Olajuwon, there are certain players that just like, you know, you look at technically speaking. This isn't like fans or anything. This is just technically speaking. But Tim Duncan is, I mean, he is a problem of all problems. I mean, he beat them all. He beat all of the players of his generation. He beat all of the players. Why isn't he in that conversation? Because
1: when I look at the game. I I think, number one, that's, that's a great that's a great question. Uh, and I'll, I'll throw out a few things. Again, we nitpick. Number one, he never went back to back. I'm not saying that's the biggest reason, but he never won back to back. Number two, he won it initially, even though he was the best player, but his first one, David Robinson, was still great. And his second I remember feeling, BJ, like even though I think Duncan had won a finals MVP, of course, But it wasn't until, I think, when they beat Detroit. Because I I had questions as to whether Duncan would just take over in NBA Finals. You know, and and he was good in all the Finals. But he really, against Detroit, if I remember correctly, that's when he just took over. And I was like, okay, he's got that. But for his first, what would that have been? Two championships. He was really good, but, you know, just didn't just totally – dominate the finals. And then, of course, Tony Parker was the finals MVP when they beat Cleveland in 07. And then you went seven years without winning the title. By the time they won in 14, Tim was still a great player, but offensively they weren't going through him. You know, at that point it was – that they beat him actually with their shooting that year in the, in the finals. So, Duncan, you know, I think by that point – I don't remember what he averaged in the finals – But, you know, he wasn't scoring 20 points a game anymore at that point. Kind of like Kareem in his last championship, you know, last couple championships, Kareem was kind of past his prime, even though he still was effective with the sky hook. So I think that is what kind of, you know, impacts Duncan's. And also probably, and this shouldn't be a factor, is the lack of flair.
2: Mm -hmm. Let's keep it real.
1: Jordan, obviously, probably the most graceful prettiest game we've ever seen. Uh, LeBron plays with a lot of flair and has exciting highlights. Kareem with the sky hook, you know, and those are kind of the three guys in the GOAT, In, in as far as I can tell, in the GOAT discussion. And Duncan was just, you know <laughs> – he just won he just, won. Right. He just
2: right. won all the time but other than that he didn't
1: I mean but he wasn't that exciting let's let's keep it
0: real <laughs> yeah. and, and that
1: shouldn't be a factor but it is probably um but nah that's a that's a good question because as you and look he's very close to being six to having won six championships yeah, that, yeah that's yes you know, the final was it it be six and six and one instead of five and one yep but um yeah he's nah he's He's fantastic, man. That's a good. That was a good, good twist on that goat debate.
0: Yeah, if if there is a sliding doors of NBA history, if Tim Duncan is in on that play and Ray Allen somehow doesn't get the kick out and he gets the rebound instead of Chris Bosh right there, and he wins six championships, then this whole conversation is probably a little bit different, right? Because then LeBron only wins. Yeah, you'd
1: have to. It has to be different Mm -hmm. because I think he's similar in a lot of ways. Like I think the Spurs are the Patriots. Yep. I think Popovich is Belichick, and I think Duncan is Brady, except Duncan's not the GOAT, but had they gone 6-0? And now it's a question. Well, Popovich took him out of the game, and I love Pop.
2: But Pop <laughs> took him out of the game. You know, we all have We're our moments, right? We all have our moments, right?
1: We at how bouncers are. Do they, do they still get that rebound even if Duncan's in there? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing we know how motivated the Spurs were after essentially giving away that championship in 2013. Are they as motivated in 2014 to come back and win it? Probably not. I mean, that was their driving mantra for the entire season. Mm -hmm. And so when they saw Miami, they just went at them and won in five, we know. And so I don't know that that happens if they win it in 2013. So we still might be on five, but, nah six and oh it, it's a different right. conversation but again bjd your question jordan was the absolute dominating player in all six of his titles and duncan was not for his five you know uh tony parker was a finals mvp kawhi leonard was a finals mvp and even though it was still duncan's team so i think though again you can, nit- uh,
2: can i just can i can i just nitpick from this perspective i, I just want to nitpick Because it has to be said, like, like, I always look at all of these players, right? You know, whether whoever they are, I just look at and go, how would you game plan against them? Tim Duncan. Okay. Jordan was clearly the most dominant offensive player on the court all those times, Right. right? You can debate defensively who was. And as, you know, as a guard, you know, you, we all lose a step, right? You all lose a step. And but Jordan's brilliance was he was a totally different player in the second three-peat than he was in the first three-peat. Tim Duncan has done something to me that only a few has have done, right? And normally they're bigs. He won it as the best player on the team. Then he moved to the second best player and he won it. <laughs> Then he went to the third-best player, and he won it. By the end, he was maybe the fifth-best player on the team, but they still were getting the same results. And that, to me, just says something about him because every series that he played in, he always had one game where he put his stamp on the series. It was Mm -hmm. almost as if Popovich said, you know what, Tim, I need you to win one game. I'm going to figure out how to coach and win one game, and I need the rest of the team to win two games. Every game in a series that he played in to the end of his career, he always had that Tim Duncan signature game. And it was almost as if Top Pop said, Okay, Tim, I need you to go out and give me 35, 40, and 20 in game three. And that to me is what was so impressive about him is he always stayed within the framework. Only bigs can do that. Right. Because they can't do what the guards do. They can't do what Jordan does or LeBron or you know, all of the guards, he was so impressive. I don't, it's two players that scare me in the modern era. Hakeem Olajuwon, I'm always nervous again, was always <laughs> nervous when I played against him because he could just dominate a game. He could dominate from passing, scoring, rebounding, block shots, and Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is the only player outside of Jordan that you can put him on places and you couldn't double team him. Right that's that that just that scares every coach i don't care what league you're coaching in i don't care how great of a coach you are you can't double team tim duncan you could double team kareem because you knew where he was going to be you could double team Shaq. you could double team that guy would move to like gray areas on the floor that's why the bank shot was like and because you didn't know what to do like should i double team him should i leave him alone should i and i just thought the guy was like he's like an anomaly that I don't think enough people appreciate other than the people who are coaching the game because mm. you can't do anything against them. Mm.
1: Mm. Well, and I think to your point, he was all about winning and we know the greats all want to win and are about winning, but to, all the greats could not be the second best player on the team. Right. Could Michael have been the second best player on the team? I think that's a legitimate question. Could he have adjusted and been the second-best player on the team? Um, So I I, I do agree that that's a credit to Tim Duncan. That's why, again, I say he's a lot like Tom Brady. No ego. Let Pop yell at him. Let him coach him like that, like Brady with Belichick. Um, But I I think this is something you have to throw in if we're talking about Duncan and the GOAT talk. Because Duncan insists that he's a power forward. But I could argue, I mean, come on. You're a sinner. You were a center. So where he's the greatest power forward ever. But where would he rank among the sinners? Cause I got Kareem, Wilt, Shaq, Bill Russell, Elijuan.
2: I feel good now, about that matchup.
1: Duncan, huh? I feel
2: good about that matchup against every he I feel good about that matchup. Is he number one? Will he be the greatest center ever? This is what I have learned over the years with the greatest sinners. In order to be a great center, you gotta have a great guard.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I I Agreed. I agree. Okay. And, and you know, interesting point, among those guard, those centers, because Kareem had Oscar and 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 Magic.
2: Speak on it, Chris. I'm gonna shut up now. Go ahead, speak on it.
1: <laughs> Will his first one he had uh Hal Hal uh Greer. Greer, Hal Greer, who wasn't, you know, obviously not Magic or Oscar, but and then he had Jerry West and Gail Goodrich. When he won,
0: <laughs> not bad. Not and bad. then
1: uh, Shaq, of course, had Kobe and Wade, and mm. Russell had Cousy and, and a host of guys. Havlicek checking all that. So Sam Jones.
2: And who took Duncan and had?
1: Duncan had Tony Parker and Manu, who are Hall of Famers, but not there. I guess you they would be. You could put them on the level of what Russell had, probably. You 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 wouldn't put them with. They're not Jerry West, and they're mm. certainly not Kobe and Wade or Magic and Oscar. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that.
2: <laughs>
1: Duncan was just boring. That's all. Uh, yeah. Okay, I can take that,
2: <laughs> and <laughs> we can end it right there. <laughs> but I just want to know how come this man, because every coach i talked to, Hall of Fame coaches, everybody shake their head and be like, I wouldn't want to play against that man. I wouldn't want to play so. against him, and
1: he could have put up bigger numbers.
2: Oh, yo, because
1: For- he never put. What's the most he averaged? Probably twenty-five, and that was maybe one or two years. Mm-hmm. And but again, it was about winning and and his system and all that. So, yeah, it, nah, Duncan was phenomenal, no doubt.
0: We- we could talk about Duncan all day, even though he is uh, boring, quote unquote. But uh, it, it has been a great, a great chat, Chris Broussard. We appreciate you coming on. We would love to have you back to talk about the goat awesome. debate as as it evolves over time. BJ is obviously fired up by this, but again, the odd couple, <laughs> FS1, Fox Sports, Chris Broussard. Thanks again for coming on, pushing through.
1: Yo, this has been fun, fellas. Whenever you need me, get me back. I'm gonna be all insulted. Right. I'm gonna be <laughs> insulted oh. if in a few months I'm not I'm not called to be back on.
2: Oh Perfect. man, we will you got hey, Chris I mean this man you do a great job yep. I appreciate your friendship man and uh you know how much you mean to me and thanks again for coming on the show. Please give, uh, when you see my man Rob, that's my guy. I love what you guys are doing. I'm arguing. I feel like you have a third person that's arguing on the show when I hear you guys on my on my daily walks. I'm listening to your show and I'm the guy that you're here screaming in the headphones because I'm all in on that show. You guys do a great job. And thanks again for coming on. I, I really, uh, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, man. And good luck with the podcast, man. It, it, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I go on a lot of podcasts And they all are fun to be on. This was
0: fun. (laughs) Okay, good. uh, We'll take uh, that. We'll take uh,
2: that. (laughs) Appreciate it, Chris. Chris. Thanks, my friend. All right, be well. Stay safe. Yep.